the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey, guys. Bud Elliott here. Welcome back again to the Cover 3 podcast. This is my summer school series. Not the normal background today. We're actually doing this from Elite 11 check-in, uh, where you have a ton of top quarterbacks playing, including one. Uh, came through here a couple of years ago, Talia Tagovailoa, uh, who plays for Maryland. And hey, we're talking Maryland today. Look at that. It's Jeff Ehrman, Inside Maryland Sports. The foremost expert on the Terps. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, bud. Glad to be uh, with you. Absolutely. You guys, you guys are on a great side and a lively board. If you're a Maryland fan, definitely need to check it out. Uh, and another strong year uh, for Maryland. Mike Loxley seems to have kind of found his footing there uh, with, with with the Terps. Top 30 level in the power ratings. Offense, you know, kind of top 55, top 50-ish, depending on where you look. Defense, uh, very strong. Much stronger than I, I had projected him to be on the season. I, I guess we'll start with the offense. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa is back. It where can he improve his game? Because last year his numbers were, were quite strong. Yeah, I think there's two things. First, consistency. You know, he he when he's good, he is one of the best in the Big Ten. But there are spells where he struggles. He starts to get trapped inside of his own head. You can see the kind of the mental uh, warfare taking place there to get his confidence back. It happened last year in back-to-back games. Really ugly losses against Penn State and Wisconsin. So that's one thing. The other thing would be the deep ball. You know, two years ago, he he put up huge numbers. Last year, the deep ball, even with a really highly regarded uh, receiver group, was, you know, it, it was probably 30% of what he'd gotten the previous year. So that, I think, is the biggest thing Mike Loxley wants to th- see. I think he feels like uh, Josh Gaddis, his new offensive coordinator, will be more of like an extension of himself in terms of the play calling than Dan Enos was, so that should lead to more of those kinds of plays. But those would be the two biggest things for him to really be in that top tier of quarterbacks. 
makes a lot of sense. Uh, that they had a back last year who I love playing in, in in daily fantasy all all the time. And and, and Roman Hemby, a guy who you know rushing yards don't necessarily stand out. Amazing passing, you know, receiving yards not necessarily. But when you combine them, the guy was kind of a multi-purpose monster. He's. Would you expect him to kind of be the starter again this year, or are there other guys who are fighting for that spot? I think he'll be the starter just because it's really hard to unsee the guy. You know, he was a few yards short of being the second 1,000-yard uh, rusher as a freshman at, in Maryland history. So he had a great season, as you said, put up really good numbers. So I think he'll keep the starting job, but they do have a lot of talent there. They really love a kid named Ramon Brown, second-year player. He was a four-star recruit from Virginia who they flipped from Virginia Tech uh, the previous year. They think he is – you know, he's bigger, maybe a little more wiggle, you know, just uh, uh, he's a stud athlete. So uh, he'll he'll give him some competition. I think Henby will be the guy, but I think, you know, people who don't follow recruiting closely and don't know about those kind of guys will probably be surprised with Ramon Brown. Absolutely. Uh, receiver did take some some major losses and, and some big names gone. Uh, Jarrett, Demas, Copeland, Dupree went to uh, um, went to Alabama be the transfer portal but they also attacked the transfer portal pretty aggressively they, they brought in three guys what what what's the status of this room is this room is it like a little bit of a downgrade is it a big downgrade am i misreading this is it is there a chance it's actually better yeah i think it's gonna be better you know for all the hype of last year's with rakim jared dante demas jacob copeland who had been florida's leading receiver the previous year all those guys there was a lot of hype some people had them ranked as a top you know 10 receiver core in the country and they didn't really produce. I think this year is going to be the opposite. It's going to it's guys who aren't necessarily as hyped, who should you know if all works out well should produce at a higher level. Uh, you know they brought in Cam uh, uh, Prather from West Virginia. You know I think he was the number thirty seven transfer in the country, six four kid, uh, playmaker from Maryland, former four star, and then Tyrese Chambers from FIU two years ago. He was second in the country or led the country with 24 uh, yards per catch, went over 1,000 yards. So he's another playmaker. And then they have several four-star guys, young guys who were waiting their turn last year. Octavian Smith is an extremely slippery uh, return man and, and receiver, four-star a year ago, who they'd flipped from Northwestern. And then Shalik Knox is another four-star from a year ago who they scooped out of North Carolina, physical big play guy. So you know, these guys aren't the household names that Demas and Jared and those guys were, but I think they should be better. See, that that's that's one of the reasons why I love doing this show, right? Is we 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 learn stuff here at summer school. I just spreadsheet scouting it out and like I don't know. That that's that's a lot of names to lose, but uh, that's encouraging to hear that they have some some really good guys uh, in the pipeline there. Now, offensive line, they do lose six of their top seven by snap count, which that's not the worst we've seen on this show, but it's darn close. Uh, they brought in three transfers. Is this like if I'm circling problem areas, this is the one they, they it looks questionable to me. Huge red, thick marker. That would be the area. I mean, they lost all those guys. Two of them got drafted and then two more who are expected to start Mason Lunsford, a guard transferred to LSU. Colton Deary, who they really liked uh, a center second-year guy, also left. He's a TCU. So now you bring in these transfers. You're hoping they pan out. One of them, you know, this kid Gottlieb Eisday, a local kid who went to Frostburg State, 
small school in Western Maryland and was actually on the NFL radar, probably would have been drafted this year. So they like him a lot at one tackle spot. They have a kid named DJ Glaze at the other tackle spot, who was actually their highest rated uh, offensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus. But otherwise, you're relying on you know some young guys who haven't proven themselves and several more transfers to be reliable Big Ten linemen. And that's, you know, that could be a tenuous situation to be in. Jeff, question for you here. Uh, they, they seem to have really attacked FCS and, and I think even D2 uh, in the transfer portal. It, did they, is, is there a company they've contracted with who, who really scouts that area well? Or, or like, do they have a guy on their staff who is a former, you know, FCS or D2 guy? Because it, it strikes me that some schools have tried to exploit this as a bit of a market inefficiency, if you will, right? Really dipping down. Oklahoma State, for instance, uh, took a lot of guys from uh, from, from the FCS and D2. What, what, what's Maryland's imp- impetus there for doing that? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good observation. But I think I don't I don't think it's been you know a matter of contracting or anybody. I think Mike Loxley is just really good at finding hidden gems. He's done it many times over the years. You know, you have the Stefan Diggs and guys like that, but a lot of the other guys that they've produced have been three-star. You look, you know, you look at the draft this year, Deontay Banks, you know, one of the top corners went in the first round, didn't have any other power five offers coming out of high school. So, you know, he knows how to find guys. And they actually have another one who I didn't mention named Donnell Brown uh, from St. Francis in, in Pennsylvania, another FCS guy who they, you know, who was all FCS All-American last year, who, you know, the early buzz is that he's going to be a impactful pass rusher for them so you're right they have uh they have worked that you know lower level transfer portal so defensively uh i i thought like this unit was much better than i thought they would be uh last year i i they'd lost a lot off of the prior year's team uh and and you know, guys some guys that on paper seem like impact guys and and were able to fill it pretty well this year up front they have heavy losses again up all five players uh, who are more than 275 pounds who took 225 snaps. So basically all, all their big guys who, you know, have their hand in the dirt who took 200, 200 quarter snaps are gone. Uh, is that, but they take three transfers here. Like, can they stem the tide and, and be okay? You know, right after the offensive line circle, the defensive line would be the next concern. You know, everything else looks fairly solid. Uh, they lost, like you said, some big guys, you know, they were supposed to have one of them back, uh, Mosiah Nasili Kite, he ended up transferring to Auburn. So uh, they did get some good guys, and then they have a kid named Tommy Akingba Sote, a third-year guy, former four-star, really big kid who they feel like is is ready to make that move to be a guy. And then uh, Jordan Phillips, a transfer from Tennessee, who they'd recruited really hard coming out of high school and got the boomerang transfer this offseason. You know, there's they're, they're raving about him. So. There are some pieces there, but there there are a lot of question marks. Maybe not quite as much as the offensive line, but there's definitely, you know, I think the size and athleticism athleticism is still pretty good, but there's not a lot of proven commodities. They they do lose a, a couple key guys there at at linebacker, but I feel like they always recruit this position pretty well. What what are your thoughts on the linebacker group generally? Yeah, they've got some young emerging linebackers and some veterans. Ruben Hippolyte, who's been there seemingly forever. Fanage Gote, who I think is a six-year guy, big hitter. Uh, so they've got experience there. And then Jay Sean Barham is a budding star. You know, arguably, you know, you could he was a true freshman last year and was probably the best player on their defense. You, you could make an argument between him and Bo Bray to safety, who's also back. So they have him. I think he's going to be, you know, uh, he, he's going to be a star, clearly. 
And then they have a few other guys, younger guys, a kid named Kellen Wyatt, who they like a lot, Caleb Wheatland, another guy who's looked good. But uh, I think the depth is pretty good there. There's not a proven, you know, outside of Barham, there's not a proven star, but they should be pr- pretty good there, a linebacker. In the secondary, the safety, they look fine to me. Uh, they do lose Jacorian Bennett and Deontay Banks, if, if my depth chart is correct. Obviously, we, we talked about Banks a minute ago. The kid was a stud. So I know they've hit the portal some. Uh, do you think they found success in, in the portal there in the secondary? Yeah, they got Jaquan Shepard from Cincinnati. Uh, he was a first-team All-AAC corner, so that was desperately needed after losing two guys who got drafted, obviously. With a bunch of young guys behind them who haven't, you know, have not been able to prove anything yet. And you have Tarheeb still, who's a senior, very experienced, has played really well at times, had a little bit of a down year uh, two years ago, but is a proven solid Big Ten corner. So those two, I think, are good. Depth-wise, that's the big question. They need one of several young guys to step up at corner. In terms of safeties, both guys are back. Dante Trader, very athletic, uh, free safety, also plays for Maryland's lacrosse team. Uh, they like him a lot. Yeah, they think he's he's going to be really good. And then Bo Braid, who if Jay Sean Barham wasn't the best player on the defense, it was clearly Braid. You know, he made a lot of big plays, a lot of tackles. Uh, so the, the secondary looks pretty good with the with the caveat that, you know, cornerback depth needs to be proven. So I, I think I know the answer to this, but I, I, in every episode I ask, like, where is the and, and you can't say quarterback because almost everybody was like quarterback, obviously. Where's the largest drop off between starters and backups? You know, when you're out there at practice, you're like, all right, you know, they're they're actually fine there with the starters. The backups just not that they can't never get ready to play, but they're just not ready to play yeah. now. And so they have to stay super healthy with starters. Yeah, not to be redundant, but it's clearly the offensive line. I mean, at several spots, you're still trying to figure out who the starter is. So it's not like you have these, you know. Uh, world-class proven stars, but still the depth there is a huge question mark. They just took another junior college player. Uh, they had took a kid uh, from Marcus Dumerville from LSU who was a four-star, didn't play much there. So you're hoping he can at least give you some depth as a swing guy, a guard, and tackle. But, you know, as you know, five is not enough on the offensive line, and you're just trying to get that first five or six behind them. You're really hoping that some younger guys and some transfers are going to work out. Absolutely. I, I I saw Marcus a pretty good bit in high school. I, I lived down there in, in, in Florida. You know, he, he was an Aquinas kid. So I, I, I could see him working out. That that You you could sell that to me. I'll, I'll buy some of that. It, if you do have some deficiencies along the lines of scrimmage, Northwestern, Nebraska, Illinois, I mean, I guess you'd want to swap Illinois for Purdue, but that's pretty much the most gift-wrapped West draw you could get. Like you're not having to face an Iowa and block them or – you know, block of Wisconsin or, or even Minnesota. It the schedule feels like to the extent that an at an East schedule uh you know, <laughs> can set up for one, like fairly favorably here. Yeah, it's a little bit softer than usual, still popping up on these top ten hardest schedule lists as happens literally every year. That'll change next year. You know, they got a reprieve with the elimination of divisions now. And I think that's gonna give them a much better chance for success when you're not pushing that boulder up the hill of playing Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan every year. Uh, but, yeah, the schedule, it's a little softer than this year. The way it lines up, they have a chance to get off to a hot start. So, you know, with everything, the momentum that they've built, this is this is an opportunity to take a next step. Jeff, I really appreciate the time. Everybody needs to check out Inside Maryland Sports. Jeff does a great job. And, 
you know, just one of the, the, the great sites we have in our 24-7 sports family of, of sites, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, bud. Thanks for having me on. Hey, guys. Back here again. It's summer school. We're talking Georgia Tech. That means I'm talking to Rod McKenzie of Go Jackets 24-7. Rod, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Absolutely. I'll see you again coming up at ACC Media Days. This will presumably air uh, before then. So Georgia Tech you know, makes an, an in-season coaching change and ends up going with the interim uh, coach, promoting him to the full-time coach. We, we know they talked to a couple other coaches along the way, but Brent Key get, gets the job. What What are your overall impressions so far of, of Brent Key and, and your impressions of the staff that he's been able to assemble? Well, I think the most important thing as far as Tech fans are concerned about Brent Key is that he is a Georgia Tech grad, so he he has a lot to to work for here because he knows what Georgia Tech's all about. Uh, he he ha- maybe has a little more, puts a little more energy into things because he is that Georgia Tech grad. But the the most impressive thing to me was the way he went about his business. Uh, he you know it would have been easy to to bring a lot of the uh, assistant coaches back, but he he flushed just about the whole staff. Uh, from, you know, recruiting specialists, uh, you know, uh, offense and defense analysts, that type of thing, uh, director of operations. The only two coaches that he retained were Chris Winkie uh, at quarterback, and he's also going to be working with the with the game plan uh, for the offense. And, uh, of course, Andrew Thackeray brings him back, and he brings back Travaris Tillman. And, 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 and in, in another capacity, he brings back uh, Marco Coleman, who was there previously, left to go to Michigan State. Uh, he was a defensive end coach before he left. Now he's in charge of the entire line. But the the coaches that I've I've talked to have been impressive. They've done a great job on the recruiting trail. I mean, they've they've brought in over thirty official visitors over these first three weeks, gotten a lot of commitments. So uh, uh, th- these are guys that have you know been there before. And he he went he went and looked for three different categories. He looked for somebody that has a lot of relationships in high school, and that was uh, Josh Crawford, the receiver coach. He got Kevin Shear from the pros, who was with the New York Giants, and then of course the other guys uh, have a lot of uh, college experience. So uh, he he put together a great staff, and uh, you know the his his main uh, thing right now is to give the ownership of the program to the players. And and ha- have them, you know, run the program and have them more involved in how things are working. Let's let's talk offense for a little bit. Uh, last year, outside the top 100 in in most of the opponent adjusted categories, that they do lose quarterback Jeff Sims to the transfer portal. Uh, didn't have a great career at Georgia Tech. Obviously, maybe a, a change of scenery uh, could do him well. Maybe also well for the program. But I saw they brought in Haynes King out of Texas A&M, who was a one-time starter for the Aggies before uh, uh, before uh, Connor Wegman took over later in the season. It, Rod, are you presuming that Haynes King is, is going to be the starter? And if so, how do you think he'll do? You know, the the one thing we didn't really didn't get to see was uh, get to see the, the players in practice. We only got to see them in the spring game. So, uh your outlook on how they played can be a little jaded, but uh, I thought both Haynes King and Zach Pyron 
were pretty much even. Uh, Zach Pyron getting the experience at the end of the year when Sims went down the, with the injury. Uh, he's a kid that the, the players like. So, you know, your quarterback, you're looking for a leader, somebody they can rally around. So I think right now Zach Pyron probably has the edge going into the preseason practice. But the, the main thing that, that uh, Key has done with his quarterbacks is he, he wants quarterbacks that have the same athletic qualities. So if one of them goes down, he doesn't have to change his offense like they did last year. You know, they had to change the way they ran their offense two or three times with all the injuries they had. So, you know, and, and waiting in the wings, uh, you know, you also have your third quarterback, uh, Zach Gibson, who, you know, was a starter at, uh, at Akron. So you have, three guys with starting experience and that, that bodes well for the offense and what Buster Faulkner wants to do. Buster Faulkner coming over from Georgia, of course, uh, they, they do lose a number of skill position players and, and have hit the portal uh, fairly heavily at the skill position. So Nate, Nate McCollum is off to what I think North Carolina, is it? Uh, Malachi that, Carter correct. is gone. Yeah. Uh, EJ Jenkins is gone. Hassan Hall, uh, the, the, the running back is gone, but they bring in, I'm not even going to list them all. I'll, I'll just ask you, like, <laughs> uh, uh, of these skill position guys that took a transfer, I think they took eight or seven, seven or eight transfer uh, uh, portal guys at the skill positions. Who do you think is, are the most important, the guys that are going to really make the impact for them? Well, I, I think the first guy you got to look at if he stays healthy is Blaylock coming over from Georgia. I mean, he had he had uh, some pretty good games over there. And, of course, he and, and uh, Faulkner know each other. They know what uh, – Faulkner's looking for playmakers, and Blaylock is definitely a, a playmaker. Then you have a guy like Christian Leary, who, when you look at Alabama's receivers, they're deeper than deep. And, and uh, you know, he was one of those guys, and unfortunately, he wasn't one of the top two or three, so he didn't get to play that much, but he had a great spring. He's really moved up the charts. And so, you know, along with the, the return of Malik Rutherford, uh, you have three guys that uh, – quite arguably could be better than the the group that they had last year. That, I mean, that would be pretty awesome for, for them to be you know even better than they were last year. I I, I thought McCollum had, had, had some real juice. The, the rest of the guys you know, were okay, I, I guess, right? Just not, not like big-time difference makers. Uh, O-line, though, returns qu- quite a bit, I guess, right? I mean, like they, they lose Pierce Quick and uh, um, one of the other guards, but – that should be a unit that could improve. Obviously, you know, Brent Key, uh, a long time, um, got, got his coach O line, and I think tied in at times. Yeah, that's that's been the, I think the one one of the main positions that's held Georgia Tech back in their progress since they switched over from the Paul Johnson offense. They had to completely redo the offensive line. Their first recruiting class, they didn't have one single offensive line commit. So, you know, they were trying to patch things up with bringing in a transfer one year, another transfer the next year. So the the five that trotted out on the field against uh, Georgia in the last game will be the five that will start this year. So consistency, continuity is a big thing. And you have Weston Franklin, a, a third-year player who is in a, will be his second year as a starting center. Uh, and you, you have a guy like Williams who has started at, at tackle for three years, and he'll be moving inside the guard this year. So – you know, you have a big six foot five, three hundred plus pound guard. That's that's pretty good. That bodes well. And then your uh, your two starting tackles the last game were both freshmen last year. So 
there's a lot of good young talent coming back and and now they're trying to fill the pipeline build some good depth there and and now that that is happening i think that's the the uh, georgia tech program can maybe move forward a little faster than they had been over the last you know three or four years if you look at this the they the, the schedule you know, louisville south carolina state at Ole Miss, at Wake, Bowling Green, at Miami, Boston College, UNC, at UVA, at Clemson, Cuse, and Georgia. There's really only two programs there that, that I think for sure scare you from a defensive line standpoint, right? Cle- Clemson and Georgia. Everybody else, if you play to a certain level, you, you at least go into the game thinking you can handle their front. L- Louisville lost an, an absolute ton to the NFL draft uh, along that defensive front. You know, North Carolina is theoretically good, but at the same time, we're we're kind of still waiting for them to play a lick of defense under Mac Brown. So, we'll, we'll, I guess we will see if they will. Rod, I'll ask you this: Like, do you think this in your mind when you're kind of thinking about this year's team? Is this offense un, like definitively better than last year? I I I think it should be. I mean, uh, you know, they were counting on Jeff Sims. That didn't happen. Uh, there was some little bit of controversy between. You know, wh- how injured was he? Uh, did they wanted him to play? He didn't. His parents didn't want him to play. Uh, you know, it, it was just a lot of a lot of things going on with the quarterback position. So they never really got rolling. And but the I, I, I feel really good about Winky and Faulkner, two guys that have proven themselves. And, uh, you know, just watching some of the things they they did in the spring game. I said, "Whoa, you know, this is something we haven't seen before." And and Faulkner, all oh, he always talks about looking for playmakers. He doesn't care what position they play. He'll find ways to get the ball to them. Uh, you know, you have guys that uh, can line up in the slot. He can move them outside. He can move them into the backfield. Put them in motion. You know, there's a lot of different things they're doing differently now uh, with the offense and. Uh, you know, the, the last position they need to get rolling is the tight end position, and that's a position that Faulkner likes to use, you know, as far as more so with maybe uh, as a receiver than a blocker in the offense. And they're, they're, they just haven't had that much success in recruiting with the tight end. So it's going to be up to a, a couple of seniors, you know, like Dylan Leonard. Uh, you have the transfer from Georgia and uh, Brent Seether coming in. And uh, so – you know, we'll we'll see what happens there, but uh, uh, you know, I think that uh, what when we finish the regular season, we thought, wow, it's going to be tough next year in offense too. But that that has sort of the worm has turned a little there, and uh, you know, that, thanks to the transfer portal, things are looking a lot better there. Let's switch to the defensive side of the football. That that was pretty clearly the better side of the football in in, in last year's uh, team. This year, though, there are some some notable losses. Uh, Keon White, I thought, was was an excellent player for Georgia Tech. Eleven and a half tackles for loss. Uh, they, they lose Ely and Thomas, who you know had eight and a half and and ten and a half tackles for loss, uh, respectively. That's that's like thirty tackles for loss spread across three guys. That that's uh, that is kind of on, on the, the upper side of production to lose, and, and they lose Zamari Walton uh, at, at corner as well, who transferred to. Ole Miss, I think it was. Ole Miss, yeah. Um, I, I need to put that on my sheet, like where 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 these guys actually transferred out to. I think there's, <laughs> you know, there's some signal to that. Um, but other than that, they return a lot of names. Do they? 
are the names any good? I guess is, is, is I'm not trying to be a mean, you know, condescending with the question, but like the dudes who stood out on the stat sheet for the most part are gone. So like, how are the guys, are the guys coming back any good? Yeah, you, I think the first player you have to talk about is LaMiles Brooks at safety. And he, he was one of the, the, uh, you know, it was his first year as a starter. He had overcome injuries. Finally, uh, he had a great season. And I think some of the, the magazines, you know, the preseason magazines are picking him for all ACC. Uh, and then you have, uh, you know, a, a couple of freshmen came in and played as true freshmen. And, uh, you know, uh, Clayton Powell Lee, uh, Rodney Shelley. And I think that they got a big plus when uh, uh, Jalen King, who started the beginning of the year at safety, came back. So what they've done, they've moved him back into the back of the secondary and I think you might see somebody like uh, either Clayton Powell Lee or LaMiles Brooks move up further closer to the line of scrimmage, like maybe hmm. put them in at the nickel position. Uh, so you have a guy that has some speed, a guy that can cover receivers out of the backfield or tight ends coming across the middle, that type of thing. So I, I think that's a big plus. But like you said, when you lose Charlie Thomas and Ace Ely at linebacker, one of the better combinations – uh, you have a lot of you have some big shoes to fill, and they brought in uh, you know uh, Andre White from Texas A and M, and uh, they brought in uh, Braylon Oliver from uh, who's a starter at Minnesota. He he's from the Atlanta area. He came back home, but the at the end of the spring they gave out awards, and Trenelia Statham, who was completing his second season, was named the top linebacker in the spring. So he's a guy to watch. So. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to be like those two that left, but uh, I, I think you you have to feel fairly good about the guys that they're they're plugging in there to to take their place. And you know, you talked about Zamari Walton; he's the only secondary starter that is not back this year. And uh, you know, you you look over at Ole Miss and you see three three former Tech players that uh, somehow ended up over there. Walton announces one week that he's coming back for his COVID year, and the next week he's off to Ole Miss. So we, we all know how those things are working right now. Funny, funny how that works, isn't it? Uh, special teams-wise, the one number that stands out to me, and if I'm recalling correctly, there, so Georgia Tech's punt efficiency was terrible, but didn't they get a bunch of punts blocked early in the year? I'm trying to – like, were they actually bad at punting or were they just bad at, at like, not getting them off? I, I think it was a combination. They had a freshman – and they, they just tried to, in my, this is just my opinion, I feel like they tried to do too much with this freshman punter, you know. We want you to uh, kick it over towards the left sideline. We want you to kick it over towards the right sideline. And the kid had too much to think about, in my mind. So instead of just saying, hey, go back there, punt the ball, and let our cover guys take care of business, you know, they didn't do that. And... uh he, he looked a lot better in the spring. They brought in Ricky Brumfield, who at one time was at Virginia. He's the new special teams uh, coordinator, which they didn't have before. They, you know, doled it out to different different uh, coaches on the staff to take care of the different phases of, of special teams. But that that's one area that, that definitely has to improve. And the kid has a strong leg. I mean, he would he would get off a 50-yarder. And then they would ask them to do something special and it would go 30, 35 yards, you know. So uh, they need him to be able to turn the field on a 
on a more consistent basis than they did last year. That's that's for well, sure. Rod, uh, when you look at this football team, where, where's the spot uh, that you feel okay about, about the starters, but the, the drop-off to the backups is just substantial? And, and you're just like, okay, these backups are, are not – they really can't be playing them, right? Got to stay healthy at this spot because the backups just aren't ready to, to, to make a difference. Yeah, I, I go right back to the offensive line. Um, you know, they're, most of the backups are freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores. So uh, you don't want to have any injuries on the offensive line. You want to be able to, to trot that same five guys out there on a consistent basis and, and, and be able to protect your quarterback because – you know that, you know you can't put everything on Sims because he was running for his life a lot. Uh, you know the first couple of years with that offensive line. So if if you can get a guy like Pyron or Haynes King time to throw the ball, they have strong arms. They're accurate. So that's the one one area that I'm I'm sort of worried about. I think they've built the depth back up at at receiver position. Uh, you know they have. They have four scholarship uh, backs, uh, running backs. Uh, Dante Smith is back. Uh, he he carried the load, you know, the last half of the season at running back, him and Hall both. So, you know, losing Hall was big, but they, they went back to Louisville and, and brought in another running back from Louisville. So, uh, you know, and then they, they have a, a, a freshman, Evan Dickens from IMG Academy, who really caught everybody's eye in the spring game, and he really looked good. So, uh, that that's another kid that can you know, maybe pick up the the slack you know from the loss of Hassan Hall. Rod, really enjoyed it. I'll I'll, I'll see you at AC Media Days coming up. And uh, thanks for the time. Everybody needs to go check out Go Jackets. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on.